0: Welcome to the second episode of Indiness, a podcast celebrating independent, creative small businesses. I'm Emma Rosen, an indie author. I write non-fiction and children's books. Today's episode will have an interview with Rhiannon Thomas. But first, for the introduction section of today's episode, I thought I'd tell you a little bit more about my work and how I got to this point in my writer. Author career. So, my background is in marine biology. I studied a bachelor's in uh, marine biology at Plymouth University, and I felt so inspired by the marine environment, and I still do. In fact, at school, I was always quite i wouldn't say arty because art itself not so much but english and music and creativity was always my focus until i sort of discovered science but my love of science has always been very wrapped up in sort of creative inspiration really um and when i was 13 i think i started to learn to scuba dive in the red sea And I went on one particular dive where we went to, um, so my dad was my diving instructor, and we went and viewed this reef um, a little way up from the place where we normally dived and it had recently been bulldozed. And seeing the change from vibrant coral reef to just devastation absolutely broke my heart and made me feel that I wanted to learn more about the marine environment and I wanted to do something. I didn't know what the something was, but do something. So in tandem with the fact I'd sort of, (laughs) I'd begun to discover science, um, I ended up focusing on sciences and then going on to do a science degree in marine biology. When I finished that degree, I didn't really know where to go from there. I'd always wanted to be a writer, but it's not like you can... (laughs) go in, go into the newspaper, go into the newspaper, uh, look in the newspaper and find an advert for novelist or something. Um, so I didn't really know how to go about that other than being a journalist, which isn't a style of writing that I'm especially interested in. So um, I spent a couple of years doing some science-related work, but I never found it very fulfilling. And so... I decided to retrain as a teacher and I became a secondary uh, biology teacher and I loved it. (laughs) I did a master's in education because I was just fascinated by the science of education or pedagogy. Um, And I worked as a teacher for 10 years, all in all. Now, as I said, I always loved to write. I'd always wanted to be a writer, but... I'd never managed to get through a story to, you know, to see it to the end, to to complete whatever it was that I was working on. I had ideas. I played with words. I was very creative. But to actually write a book, the level of um, commitment and discipline that that takes, I'd never found something that inspired me enough to keep me going. Um, and then I had children. <laughs> um, my first child was born in 2010, my oldest son, uh, my only son, my oldest child. Um, and I initially put a lot of blame on myself. Um, And it was only once we were through the worst of the issues that I had with him. Um, I had a lot of pain. I felt very judged. I felt very much that people around me felt that it would just be easier if I gave him formula, but that wasn't what I wanted. I felt a lot of pressure. Um, I felt very lonely. And it was only once we'd worked through those things, he was about three months old, and I read a book which, my goodness, I recommend it so much if you're interested in in this sort of stuff. Um, I read The Politics of Breastfeeding, which is all about how uh, culture and society influence the world of breastfeeding, how we are where we are. And I read this book and I suddenly realised that these societal influences and perceptions were an awful lot to do <laughs> with why I'd felt so unsupported and lonely and isolated and I felt cross that that was how the situation was and that other people might feel how I felt. So I started to write (laughs) and that book began as something quite um, angry in some ways, definitely very cathartic. Over time it developed to a real examination of what my experience of being a parent to young children was and how that was influenced by the society i live in which is in the uk and so i wrote my book which has gone on to become the book milk um and you can go onto my website if you want to find out more about that um and When I completed that book, it took me six years to write it because I had young children. (laughs) Um, And then I proceeded to edit it. And initially, I pursued traditional publishing. I thought that would be the right route for me. And uh, I spent some time trying to find an agent. I briefly secured an agent um, and, and pursued traditional publishing. But firstly I didn't get a publishing deal I have to be honest about that but that isn't the only reason that I went indie it's not as though I this was a a second choice if that makes sense I'd already been researching the indie route and was very interested in the fact that you had entire creative control over your project your business how you wanted to run things and I was really feeling drawn to it already And when it was a no from the last um, uh, publisher that we were pursuing, I decided that actually I was going to turn indie. And I'm so grateful that that's the decision I made because this is just, you know i'm so passionate about this i mean i'm making a podcast about it for goodness sakes so then from there i wrote my second book lily the Limpet gets lost which is hard to say whenever i say it i have to take a moment um but i do love a little bit of alliteration i wanted to go back to my marine biology roots and i also wanted to write a children's book so milk my first book came out in 2018 and then lily the lily the limpet gets lost came out in 2019 and that book was illustrated by my sister-in-law yevgenia blackery and it's it's such a sweet book it's written in rhyme um and it's it's about a little limpet who gets lost the title tells you everything um then we had a pandemic. (laughs) And in 2021, I think I'm suddenly doubting it. Yes, 2021. um, I released my third book, Milk and Cookies, which is a children's book that explains what breastfeeding is so that families can have conversations. If a little one is asking about breastfeeding, maybe there's a new baby in the family, or maybe they've seen it. They have some questions so it just explains through lots of different animals what breastfeeding is and uh, that one was illustrated by Rhiannon Thomas who is today's guest so I'll get on to talking about her work in a moment. Um, my fourth book, which came out in December 2021, so not very long ago, was uh, a book called Self Publishing, and it's a guide to the self-publishing process. Everything that you may need to do with that manuscript up until publication day, and some suggestions about marketing. And it's a, um, it's not a long book. Uh, but it is very dense. There's so much information in there and uh, I hope it will be really, really useful. So those are the books that I've published to date. Um, As I've already said previously, I also have a YouTube channel where I share all of that stuff. So the projects I'm working on and tips and tricks as I come across them, how I've published my books, there's loads of information on there. And my YouTube channel is something I'm immensely proud of. It's just, um, I, I love hearing how useful people find it. And I really enjoy YouTube as a, um, as a platform, I guess. I watch a lot of YouTube and I love making videos. It's, yeah, I really enjoy that. But podcasting (laughs) is something that I've always wanted to do. So this is one of my current projects. I, I've always loved audio. When I was younger, I loved audiobooks and I still do. And uh, as soon as podcasts came on the scene, I just, I, I listened to podcasts all the time. And so, yeah, this was something that right from the start of my career, I wanted to do. But it's only now that I feel that the shape of this podcast in my mind, you know, how I want the episodes to to be, <laughs> I feel like that's now, now has, has a form, uh, up until now it was just an idea that I didn't really know where I was going with it, but, um, yeah, now I'm really excited to bring you monthly episodes, Other things I'm working on right now. Well, I'm working on a book, and I can't tell you too much about that, but I will as time goes on. But that is another collaboration with today's guest, Rhiannon Thomas. She's illustrating that book. Um, And another thing that I'm working on is uh, developing, and this is kind of big news that I haven't said anywhere else. I'm also developing a course in self publishing. So I feel really passionate about supporting other creatives and there's a lot of indie writers out there and I hope that um, putting lots of different forms of content, including a course, out there to help other authors, other indies along the way, um, yeah, I just hope that that will be useful. So that's something that's currently in development and once it exists as a thing, (laughs) I'll tell you more about it. So right now, uh, those are the things I'm working uh, on. (laughs) I'm also back teaching. Uh, I'm doing some supply teaching at the moment. Essentially, due to the pandemic, my business has not developed to the point I would like it to have by now. Um, I'll talk about that more in a future episode. But, you know, we need money to pay for things. So um, I'm back teaching, but also... I find that having a few days a week where I'm not working from home is also really good for my mental health and also for my motivation. Again, something I'd like to talk about in the future. So I am teaching a little bit uh, and I'm really enjoying it. I've been back in the classroom since about March I think and it's good fun but very busy I've never been busier in my life and uh, of course that's the time to launch a new book a podcast and a course (laughs) but hey Um, so that's my story to date and I'm excited every month to share how my creative career evolves and I hope that following my story will be helpful for you guys but also of course I'll also be talking to a creative guest. So I'll be podcasting monthly for now. That might change in the future, uh, but right now that's going to work for me. So let's get to the interview. Today I'll include a chat with Rhiannon Thomas. This was previously on my YouTube channel. We talked back in March, I believe, uh, end of March, I think. So I It was such a good conversation and I want to share it here, particularly as I'm working with Rhiannon again, so very exciting to talk to her. Rhiannon is a Welsh fine artist and illustrator. She specialises in dramatic coastal pieces and I recommend going and looking on her Instagram, it's just beautiful. Rhiannon and I work together on my book, Milk and Cookies, our book, Milk and Cookies, of course, and we are currently working on a new project. We talk about it a little bit in this conversation, but as I say, we can't say too much about it. So, but in fact, she is painting the pieces right now. It's very exciting. So anyway, here's our chat. Well, hi everybody and welcome to another interview. Um, I love interviewing independent creatives and today, instead of a writer, we've got an artist and illustrator, Rhiannon Thomas, who I've worked with before on Milk and Cookies last year. Um, So Rhiannon, would you like to tell us all about what you do?
1: Yeah, okay. So uh, like I said, I'm Rhiannon, Um, I work in two halves. I like to kind of split myself down the middle. So I work as um, a children's book illustrator but also work in fine art as well. So I kind of like to do a little bit of both. Um, there was a time when I kind of just did the fine art and thought, no, this is definitely what I'm going to do. But then I missed illustration. I missed the process of working with authors and and how kind of charming children's books are. So I kind of went the other way and I thought I'll just work with these. But as it turns out, I, I need both. So I kind <laughs> of I have a nice balance and I have, uh, it's quite nice. I can I can work on, work on uh, both projects at the
2: same time.
0: Well, I mean, that works. That works really well for us who need you to illustrate um, our book. (laughs) And so I know you've got a background in archaeology. So how did you get into art and illustration?
1: That's what's quite nice is actually that over the years, it's, um, I've managed to kind of um, amalgamate everything together. So I've always always loved art since I was, you know, you see. I think we've both got kids, obviously, and the little ones, and they, they're kind of the coloring in constantly and drawing. And I was doing that on the walls and everything else, probably older than I should have been. <laughs> um, and um, so I've always had a love of art, but I've always had a love of archaeology. And I remember being, um, I think I was about 10 and um, watching a, a program on Egypt. And I said to my, to my father, that's what I'm going to do one day. I'm going to be an Egyptologist. I'm going to work in. And I did do that, but went on to um, British and European archaeology. Um, but the love of art never kind of left, it always always stayed. So what I found that I could do is that when I went into archaeology, I went to art college first, so I kind of did that part. I thought that art college was going to prepare me, uh, let me have a little bit of time before, while I prepared for university but I should have done it the other way around because art college was so much more intense than university. Yeah. One <laughs> one
2: um,
1: so I kind of, um, I'd been to art college and I, and I studied illustration um, and then I went on to um, university and did Egyptology and then did my master's in archaeology so sorry I'm just from the side I'm just getting a cup of tea passed to me <laughs> um, um, and um, I just kind of went from there but when I worked in the field then as an archaeologist I found that I could there was a real need for archaeological illustrators so even though it's not the same kind of thing I guess as children's book illustration and it's not as free because everything is quite technical right? in fact it is really technical drawing Um, you're recording things like pottery and artifacts and um, any of the um, any of the bodies that we found Um, so that was a nice opportunity to be able to kind of push the two together
2: Mm.
1: but it 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 kind of worked for and against it allowed me to kind of delve into that creative side but at the same time you couldn't be creative because it had to be exact because these are all for research papers and um, reference and things like this so you can't really you can't use artistic Uh, license and just think I'm just going to draw a couple more bits and pieces off that bit of uh, (laughs) pottery and so it was lovely to be able to do it um, especially recording a lot of the the um, there was Roman skeletons that we found and um, that was lovely but it just kind of reminded me that I needed to be a little bit more creative because everything in archaeology is very um, uh, I suppose it's it's very process driven it has to be perfect we can record everything but so yeah it, it kind of It allowed me to touch on it, but at the same time, it was just calling me back, just to be a little bit more, a little bit more free, a little bit more creative with it.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. (laughs) Excuse me, because similarly, I went into science, and then felt the need for more creativity. And although I worked as a teacher for a long time, and I'm I'm back in the classroom now, and that offers a certain amount of creativity. I think that when when you have that. need for a creative outlet. It's just something that you kind of can't let go. Um, and, um, I'm interested then in, I mean, normally at this point I would ask an author what their, what, what books they've written, which is obviously a more Mm -hmm. tricky question for you. So tell me a little bit about the work that you've been uh, doing lately or some significant pieces.
1: OK, oh, well, I was going to say, I haven't actually written it. I did a thesis,
0: <laughs> if that
1: helps. out. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so recently actually from um, when I worked on um, on your book, which I've lost track of when just looking on my shoulder to see if my bookshelf <laughs> can now reach it. Um, yeah, so after that, then I've been working on a few other kind of children's books with other authors um, as well. I can't actually say too much about those, unfortunately, as you well know, because obviously they're not published yet. Um, but I've gone in from um, a fine art perspective I've kind of decided to do a an Icelandic series so I've kind of moved into that now the pieces that I I do create I like to make things complicated for myself overly complicated so instead of just using paint then I've kind of um I've gone to use in my own pigment so I'm I've got like lots of little pots around where my desk full of random bits and pieces and uh soils and different things to hand, and I collect all these different pigments from different places um, and actually get other people to do it for me as well. My dad's um, a Monroe bagger so he brings back a lot of pigment from on top of Monroe's in Scotland and um, there's river clays and all bits and pieces and I dry those out after over a few weeks and then use them and mix them into my work. So everything is um, very textured and I quite like the idea that you've got, you've kind of pulled together loads of different places from from the UK. And created something for it. And I'd I'd love to use foreign pavement, but I don't think, I think there's a legal restriction with that. You're not allowed to bring.
2: No idea.
1: Um, So I've been working on an Icelandic series and I've kind of fallen into, it's gone from being more abstract and I fall into almost drawn shots. So the images from um, obviously looking down over the coastline and I've kept that kind of, I've always been a coastal artist, but I have kept that, um, a coastal kind of perspective in um, into it. So I've I've just finished it, and I thought I was ready to finish, and then it was it was the day that I finished the last piece of the series, and I thought, right, I'm done. I'm going to move on to something else. That I was bombarded on um, on social media with these amazing photographs. I'm thinking, oh, I just I I've got about another ten pieces I could have done. <laughs> I've left it. I've, I've I've packed that one. That's done and I've got to move on now.
0: Because your your fine art pieces are quite abstract, aren't they? Really. Um whereas your illustration work is I suppose a little bit more traditional maybe in that you're sort of working with watercolour rather than um pigments and things and they're they're a bit more well, less abstract I guess.
1: Yeah absolutely and I think that that's quite the nice thing about having the two I mean we, we spoke just now about um you know when you work in sciences and things like this and you've got this hankering for needing to be um creative and the same with me in archaeology and I think um with as much I love illustrating children's books there's a, a wonderful kind of freedom and it's like you're almost always in that Alice in Wonderland world you know you can make most things happen mm-hmm. but at the same time that everything is um I like to work in the old school way so nothing is digital
2: okay. I think I'd be
1: used to doing any digital um art so it is just the kind of the paper and the watercolors and things like that but the fine art then lets me loosen up again yeah so loosen up that kind of process so it's nice that I've got I've kind of I beat myself up for ages thinking, oh, maybe I should be one or the other. You know, it's, it's you've got to have, but th- there isn't there isn't any rules in art. Oh uh, and... yeah,
2: you don't have to. Maybe <laughs> one, one specific thing. Do you know, I've got the exactly. originals that just over there for milk and cookies and the fear when you sent those, it, it <laughs> was just that they would make it and everything would be okay. And then I wouldn't manage to, I don't know, completely destroy them while <laughs> I was opening them. Um, but they are absolutely beautiful. I'm going to have to put one up somewhere because they just deserve to be out well I had I had that from this perspective as well once they were finished it's
1: like right they're done and I packaged them up and I sent them off I think it was by like um, a, a guaranteed next day or some kind of delivery that was secure and as soon as you said you had them I, I thought right that's it
2: <laughs> <laughs> but then <I> note, <laughs> you put a note to the postman I really hope it made the postman laugh I forget you wrote something like I'm fragile and aren't we all or something. <laughs> top of it. Yeah that's right, uh, uh, Dear Mr Boseman, um, please look after <laughs> me, I'm fragile, aren't we Ollie. <laughs> Have a lovely day. Oh it really made me laugh. Um, so for anyone who's watching this, I appreciate that a lot of my audience will be writers, so um, I'm sorry if these are kind of obvious questions for someone who's an artist, but um, I, I thought people would be interested in, as an independent artist, how you sort of publish your work. I know it's not the same, but how do you find your audience how do you um you know sell your work actually get it out there I'm just sort of interested in that process I mean you've
1: got the normal kind of um the normal avenues which is when you imagine artists of course there's galleries and um though everything has changed a little bit since um well I, I won't mention the names in the last few <laughs> years let's just say. yeah um, but so everything kind of changed and things closed down so a lot of them it was kind of a case of you know withdrawing your work back up for the time being and putting it in storage but yeah you know I use um galleries uh as you'd imagine anyway but for me I'm I love I know it can get a really bad rap at times but I love social media mm-hmm. but I never get the opportunity to go on it from a, um I guess a personal perspective from a private perspective so I use um Instagram I'm heavy on Instagram because I love the stories I love that you can constantly just show what you're doing I mean I'm sure people are uh, they either love it or they're sick of seeing me on there but there's i, I can add everything you know the process of the work and the painting your
0: your work just lends itself your instagram is just beautiful i love it
1: <laughs> And i think that's the lovely part for as well as you can put everything kind of on there because now it's it's all kind of colorful and um and I, and I was on um I was on Facebook a lot and I still am because you've got the groups and then you've got the business page so you have to kind of look at it from a um a business head I suppose mm-hmm. perspective and they're great too but I think the reason that I don't need to have um a private page is because when I'm on um social media I I, I don't cover anything up so I am other than watching my language maybe I am exactly as I am normally you know and yeah. And I can put everything, I can put everything out there then. Um, but from a, a selling perspective or sailing my, sailing? selling myself, um, I can, I think uh, social media is brilliant for that because mm-hmm. especially if you look at it from, um, the way I like to see social media is, and especially I think I've, I've tried to explain this to artists that are um, a starting up or uh, illustrators, whatever kind of art form you do, see social media as a party. Mm-hmm. So if you invite your your account, if you invite people to your party, then you've got to turn up for it as well. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're inviting everybody and in, getting them to like your page or follow you, and then you're absent from it, or you speak to them differently from what they know you to be, or you're a little bit too maybe distant, or you're trying to be too professional and too kind of clean and down down the line, then they they're, they're going to leave.
2: Yeah. You know, they're
1: not going to be and get involved in joining in with that kind of party, And I think that's, um, in my head, at least, that's a good way of looking at it. So I think if I'm putting content on constantly and I love I love to show people. Well, there's no one here that can tell me to stop talking, which is a great
2: thing. <laughs> 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 can go all day long, just chatting away and then they can kind of flick through whatever they feel. Um, they my husband on. watches mine and so that he can see sort of what
0: I've been working on during the day. He's like, oh, you did that today. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, yeah, he watches my stories um and this is probably a good opportunity to mention the fact that you also have a podcast on creativity and you're a coach as well
1: yes so I love um the podcast is the art of positivity and that is kind of surrounded not just around art but around I guess the idea of positivity so lots of different things I get in it's I think the best way to describe it is there's a reason that art is used as a therapy Mm -hmm. you know you've got But having um, expressing your creativity from any any way, whether you're a ceramicist or a a painter or or an author, you know, however you express your creativity, I think every single person in the world needs that outlet. And when they tell me, oh, I'm not creative at all. I'm just I'm like, oh, but you are. and You've just got to allow yourself because a lot of the time the run up question uh, run up answer to that is I'm not really creative at all. I remember I used to love pottery when I was in school. and I'm thinking, well, that's it you've just got to find, you know, don't just try, um, don't just try jumping into something. I know a lot of people will, um, it was somebody I, I, w- I was coaching and um, she um, referred to me, said, oh, but I can't do your it like you can. And I think, well, I've been doing it every day for the last 10 years. <laughs> That's why I can do what I can do. But also she is amazing at um, creating these kind of soft animals and like I would never be able to touch that, you know, be able to do that. And you
0: don't have to be good at something to enjoy it, or like you said, to get the therapy from it.
1: Yes, and I think that's the thing as well. And a lot of the time, which is why I always say to people with sketchbooks, there's um, a woman I'm, I'm coaching at the moment, and I'm speaking to her about the same thing. She rips pages out constantly. Oh, it's not perfect. And I'm going, it's a sketchbook. <laughs> it
2: doesn't <laughs>
1: You just needs to if you can you can scribble a few things down or you can make it look like a you know a piece of piece of art um, a masterpiece but it's about having that releasing and getting that out and and the podcast and um my work is about being able to kind of allow people I think it's, it's confidence building and that's the main thing allowing people to understand actually that if you give yourself an opportunity then you can go from you can literally achieve exactly what it is and I, I don't mean you know, you see some of them out there, and they kind of go, "Yeah, you know, if you kind of uh, if you do this with me by the end of the month, you'll have a six million pound house, you know, in the in the Florida Keys." And but it's not about that. This is completely about being able to, you know, have the confidence to just put pen to paper or just to start the ball rolling with something that you enjoy doing.
0: Yeah, it's. I love your podcast. It just feels so. Um, I, I suppose, in a way that, in the same way that your art has a certain aesthetic and. Um, it it, it, your your podcast does too there's just like a nice gentle feel good I like it I'm a fan (laughs) I I will (laughs) link it below um but but yeah um you know it's great that you've got that diversity in what you do that you've got the art but also the support for for other creatives it's and and it totally works whether you're in a different creative sphere as well I get a lot from from what you put out there
1: and I think that is the case, isn't it? That we see, a lot of people see um, art as kind of different um, different segments. And so they kind of go, oh, well, I'm, I work as, um, you know, I do glass art. I work as a ceramicist. I'm a painter. I'm a I'm a writer, you know. And, and they kind of, they separate everything. But actually, when it comes down to it, we're all doing the same thing. We're all, yeah. we all have this kind of urge inside of us. And whether that comes out and translates as um, written word or as um, a painted picture, it doesn't matter. And it's about you know, it's all an art form and it's all about having the confidence to be able to push
2: forward
0: with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, So when you're working, um, well, actually, before I ask that, um, for other artists and illustrators who might be watching this, um, aside from sort of having the confidence to go for it, what would be your tips for someone who wants to start putting their work out there?
1: The first thing, one of the first things is, Um, it's a bit of a contradiction, but I would have said, find your style, Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: also don't worry about it. So bear with me. Um, People put so much um, weight, I think, on having an absolutely perfect, distinguishable style. And it is really important that you have something that you kind of go, oh, I recognize her work or his work and that kind of thing. And, And that's great. But I think the main thing to start off is to strive towards it, don't put too much pressure because it can take a while So by starting off, just draw, um, or however it is you illustrate, I guess a lot of people now do it on um, the Mm. iPad things. (laughs) I don't don't know what they use actually, but um, you you know, whatever it is, whatever medium you use is to just go forward and practice. It can be anything in however you feel uh, like you need to be working and that then will start to progress. And you'll find that you naturally just by accident will fall into um a type mm-hmm. and a lot of your work you can flick through your sketchbook and you'll find that you're working and it's like, oh they all look quite similar i think i'm doing this a lot because i enjoy this and you'll you'll start to find out that what it is you enjoy you're much better at and then of course you can find your style so i would say strive for finding a style but don't put too much pressure on finding it within a week because it's not going to happen <laughs> it can, can happen immediately and actually the more relaxed you are about it and the less pressure you put on yourself the quicker you'll find it
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, with that you've got um it's really really important then to not compare to anybody else because it's so easy i mean i do it now everybody does it i suppose that's in the creative kind of field you will produce something that you love and then you look at somebody else's work which can be completely different and think well mine looks nothing like that <laughs> of, course it of course it doesn't look anything like that but um young young in the sense of young in the profession new artists are um hypercritical i mean we're all as creatives we're all really critical of our own work but i know they will kind of go well, i love this sort of style i want to do that and then they'll start and that's fantastic but you need to then kind of go off on your own tangent instead of copying what it is that you love because you're otherwise what they do is they end up comparing their kind of chapter one to somebody else's chapter 20 and it's, it's just it's not something that's going to kind of balance up so find your style and then make sure you don't compare. And whether that is cutting yourself off from um, social media for a little bit, or at least restricting it in the days, because otherwise you'll find yourself kind of flying through everybody else's. Oh, it doesn't look like that yet, but it but it will, you know. And the more the more you can practice it, and the more you can have kind of confidence, is is a really kind of important kind of part of it. Um, knowing your worth as well, I think, is a really is a really critical part of um being an artist because the idea of we're all we're all poor artists and we sit in a corner in the dark um sleeping <laughs> long I, I am
0: quite literally sitting in a corner
1: yes. in the dark it <laughs> looks like <laughs> I, I'm going next to a window it would be really dark though <laughs> um, but you know we've got that kind of um that idea that um there's a, there's a different definite stereotype which I'm not helping in pain come from <laughs> at the um, but it's about knowing your knowing your work and having that confidence to kind of go All right, you know, I am at the beginning, I am going to push forward. It's not going to look like that yet. But I'm going to just work on kind of trying to focus in um to the things I love and the things, the subjects that you enjoy. Because if you're, you know, if you're trying to draw uh, perspective or some buildings and yet here, you hate it, you'd rather be doing trees, then just focus on kind of on the trees. Mm-hmm. And I think, as well as that, if you are if you're a little bit further along, so you've got your style and you know what it is, you um, how you work, then make sure you're present a lot of the time. And this is the same thing as we chatted about on um, about social media that you're going to be uh, be there and be be present, but don't try and be something else. So I think the best way, because I guess in the idea of lies will always catch up with you, if you're on social media and you are transparent with things then people really connect with you as well. And there's a lovely, um, do you know Simon Sinek? No, he does a lot. of talk. He's amazing. Well worth having a look at, but Simon Sinek has, um, he said this quote, which always stood with me and it's called uh, the way he says it is uh, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Mm-hmm. That is even though we don't just create art to make a load of money, obviously
2: <laughs> um,
1: it's um, you know, it's more about kind of people, people buy into you as an individual and, and your loves and your kind of quirks and the different things and even the mistakes—if you can put those up and show people—and you're transparent with it, then your audience, which I guess is what it's all about, your audience will increase so quickly. Yeah, and you can then kind of go.
0: And I think all forward. of that is true for again any kind of creative. There's so much um, that whoever you are and, and whatever creative outlet you have, that there is sort of all these commonalities between the different art forms I guess Um, so I think those are useful tips for anyone one thing I wanted to ask you today is lots of people who watch this this channel are um, authors and particularly independent authors and I know that when I was working on milk and cookies trying to find an illustrator (laughs) was so hard and there are so many horror stories out there of people who've found an amazing illustrator and then they don't finish the work or it's not as was expected and kind of horrible things that happen. And I mean, my experience was just that I was overwhelmed. You kind of, say for example, if I was looking for an editor, there's um, there's the Chartered Institute of Editors and Proofreaders. So I can go on there, find somebody and it feels easier. Whereas looking for an artist is sort of, there's just so much choice and what do I want? And then a lot of um, artists seem to be, <laughs> my dog is panting in the background. I'm sorry if you can hear that. <laughs> I want to move her out of the sun. She's having too much of a nice time. Um, yeah, a lot of illustrators and artists seem to be represented by agents. And then it's really hard yeah. to find out if they're available. I, it just felt difficult. So I'd love to know your thoughts on how to find an illustrator and how to find a reliable illustrator as well, because you are one. So I feel like
2: you're to ask.
1: Yeah, I think um, it can be a minefield because there's so much choice of it. And I guess, I don't know whether it was the same for you, but did you have have an idea in your head as the kind of style you wanted or were you just kind of looking for something that resonated with you?
0: I definitely wanted a watercolor, quite a vibrant, and I, I really didn't want digital art. It's something I would consider in the future, but for um, Milk and Cookies, I specifically wanted something that was hand-drawn and had that lovely sort of translucent almost feel of watercolour. Um, so, and I was, I was struggling to find people that fitted that. And actually right. the way that I found you was through another writer who'd worked with you um, because then I felt that, well, I knew that you had done the work for her. So I knew that, you know, there was, I I suppose it would be easy for somebody to have say references on their website saying how wonderful they are, but to have actually seen the the finished product from somebody else kind of gave me the confidence to invest in you. And I just think it's, it is really hard for children's book illustrators, um, uh, illustrator, uh, writers to find illustrators. take that leap of faith because it it is um, a lot of money in the publishing process that you invest in the illustrator and rightfully so because that's what sells your book to be fair Um, you know people pick it up because of the artwork um but it's it's scary i think
2: (laughs) yeah and i think it is it's a
1: it's a strange one because even though i guess it's all um it's a professional process there's a massive amount of trust that has to go into it as well which is a strange one I mean even though we have um, we I work always with a contract and a lot of the time it's never if I work with a, um, an author I've got a feel for that person originally because we've maybe chatted by email or on the phone um, so the the contract then kind of protects I guess protects both of us from any kind of plagiarism or um, if they are being kind of taken but I think so having so understanding that there's going to be um, a contract, and I don't know whether a lot of um, most authors work with those. i um, most illustrators do at least, and it protects you. it'll protect the author as well. Yeah. Um, from obviously any kind of any wrongful artist kind of taking taking the money and you know and doing a runner. But I think the there is a lot of trust in the process, and I guess the main thing is when you start out, uh, when you're starting out, is to look for. Um, a style that resonates with you so if you have a really specific idea of the kind of thing you want that can be good but it can also be really bad because I think <laughs> as long as you have a rough idea then you can you can filter through things quite quickly to the styles that you know that you love like you said about watercolor so you'd filter out all of the digital work or um and a lot of the you would
0: you look on Instagram would you look you know
1: yeah um I would I, I love kind of you know, bigging up the um, the the new illustrators because a lot of them as well um, are starting out and they are so passionate about it. So it's a case of they'll do anything to kind of to help to make sure these are perfect because it means a lot to them and I find that that lovely. So it's always better, I guess, in my head at least anyway, to go for um, individuals and if they don't have, like you were saying about the um, having an agent, mm-hmm. I. T- have an agent as an an illustrator i did have one as an artist but i've kind of moved away from from that because i don't feel that it's necessary anymore for me um but having um having an idea is great when you do have a look through um things like facebook and instagram because like you've seen on my my um my profile i put everything out there and you can kind of flick through everything there and a lot of the time you can see the little bits as well which don't make it to the website
2: Mm -hmm. so they're
1: not the pristine perfect things you can see the process and you can get a feel for the individual because it's really important that you connect well with the individual as well if you're you're not on the same wavelength then somehow the you know you can have your um your your write-up and what it is you exactly you need but there can be this disconnect as well and then you're not going to have the work or you're not going to feel like you can then approach the artist and say you know what i'm not sure about that part or can we change that to this and and that's really important. I'm not saying or suggesting you have to be best friends with, you know, with every single person you work with, but it's it's good to be able to have that kind of connection. And then at the same time, then, if you do go into it and I have in the past worked with authors and they've all been lovely, I've been really, really lucky. But some of them have been so um, focused on exactly what it is they want that you kind of think, well, I'm not sure I'm the right person for you, because then if you're going to go into um, into a contract or into um you know um, a process with with an illustrator and you're too focused on what you think you want in your head you're not going to allow the illustrator to do the job properly yeah so i think that's another thing as well it, it is a scary uh, scenario and it is a, um, an element of trust but if you do love the work that they've done then you'll have to kind of trust that they will produce the same kind of thing for you and i would suggest that um an author looking for an illustrator the illustrator should be constant in their kind of um communication with you so yeah. updating you never an issue like you could always message me and um, by a, um i think we started we was quite formal on, on email and then it was just instagram back and
2: forth you yeah. know because that's a lot of time is easier and we can now send each other pictures and memes but i think um
1: you know you can you can do that and an illustrator should always 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 be um open to um a request for oh how, how are things going because yeah. you know we know what we've got to do on this end and once I suppose once you've written your book it's a case of well here's the information here's kind of what I want and then we could then spend months in silence kind of just you know radio silence and just getting on with it but that I imagine that's probably terrifying for, yeah. for an author because we mm-hmm. don't know how things progress in so yeah. an illustrator should, should be um more than happy to be kind of yep yeah, no problem at all you know I'll I'll just send you a a, a sneaky kind of pick sometimes we don't send them in between
2: Mm-hmm. Only because
1: I know I can be creating um, an image, and um, if you wanted to see it halfway through, I'm thinking, well, that doesn't look like it's going to be. And I know, <laughs> it, I know, in
2: my head, I was going to do now, but you might
1: have a panic attack seeing this because it's not, it doesn't look great, you know. And that's kind of the process. But they should at least be able to be sort of there, present, saying, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll say I'll just finish off this part and I'll show you what I'm doing, or just have that that conversation going. I think to kind you're
0: of, right, the communication. I hadn't really thought about, about it that way. Although I think that's what I was doing that because you weren't the only illustrator that I contacted when I was looking, of course, i got quotes from a few people so that I could weigh up, you know, different styles, different options and all of those kind of things. However, the communication I had with you, that it's that kind of gut feeling, isn't it? There's something that you can't put your finger on that says, this is the right choice for this piece of work. And I think if somebody's a little bit suspicious in some way, I I almost think you can tell that this isn't going to work or something's not quite right. But I think that the contract as well is a really good point. And I think it's very important. And I, I think that it's also always okay to ask if you haven't got that contract in place because, you know, it protects both of us. It protects your work. It stops me from just... Making whatever I want out of your art, um, and at the same time, perhaps you taking parts of the book that I didn't want you to, or you know, it just protects both of our use of that work. And then there have been times where I've contacted you and said, "Would it be okay if I used the images to do this?" Um, and then you know, that's then something that's agreed and we're both happy with. I think that's important.
1: Yeah, and I think that, that is the case, isn't it? Because when and a lot of the time, as well, with a contract, I mean. I, you know we we sort of wouldn't necessarily need a contract now because we know we're gonna not going to mess about each other i mean but we would do because I, I don't know the process i suppose it's a case of especially if you're working with an illustrator for the first time it's lovely to kind of go do you know I can you know even if you are kind of a lot of the time I guess the author is sat not not literally in the dark but we are cracking on with our work so we know what we're doing and everything is kind of going well but you're then sat there or the author sat there kind of going well i i don't know if they started it have they done anything and that contract then has got the time scale on it and um you know the the you know that there's also especially in mine um that it does kind of specify that it'll be to a standard that is agreed as well you know and, and that any kind of alterations can be changed and it's not then going to cost you a fortune so i guess it gives you a little bit more um peace of mind to kind of think well i know that we're contracted into this they will be done mm-hmm.
2: there is
0: you
1: know, there is a standard to a D two as well so it kind of it
0: just makes you feel a little bit better because there is so going to be really happy if we get to yourself. that point and it falls apart for whatever reason um you know let's say with milk and cookies that the kickstarter hadn't happened and i'd have just had to pull the plug what your fees are at each specific stage yeah. the amount of work that you've completed and actually with the the um with the changes side of things as well because I know that there was a minor change that I asked you for and I remember I looked at it and I was thinking oh because I think you practically finished and I was like oh no I can't ask her to but and but because we had good communication I felt able to say is this possible and you were like yeah no problem of course I can and just made a little alteration it's like oh okay you know I didn't need to panic about this but also we had that contract in place that protected you to have a clause saying well actually this is you know this is the process and this is you know
1: yeah, yeah. and I think that's the case as well isn't it that when we're working and I mean from an illustrative perspective I don't kind of go yeah well here's the job there's the money thanks very much and push it away I'm interested like if I if I um take on a, a book then I'm interested in that book in, in the long run you know and I like to see it kind of do well so I don't want to just know put anything out there and then again if you came to when you came to me a lot of the time I think because we are different um from you know illustrators and and writers I I don't know how the brain of a writer works the same as I don't I guess the writers don't understand the way of an artist works you know but a lot of the time there's things that they kind of go oh do you know um could I change this little thing and it might be it might seem like a major thing it's Mm -hmm. actually maybe you know easy to easy to change but even if it wasn't it's a case of I I want you to be happy yeah. and to kind of look. At and if, otherwise, what's going to happen is, especially for me, if I know that you're not happy with one particular thing, every time I open that book, it'll remind me. And I <laughs> <Yeah>. think, oh, <laughs> you know, I had um, I had a a woman, an author I was working with before, and um, we worked on um, a set of illustrations, and everything was fine. And then there's one in particular which was. Um, um, Something that was there was two options. I can't go to find it yet because it's not published yet. But there was two options for this particular thing, and she's brilliant. So it was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever you think. And the final piece looked, you know, that looked fine. The page looked absolutely fine. There wasn't an issue. And in fact, I know my husband kind of looked over my shoulder and said, "I, I love that. It's, you know, it's, I'm, it's something that's right up this kind of street." And she saw it, and she was like, "And I just knew." She was like, "Oh yeah, fantastic. Thank you." And I thought, "No, that's not right." <laughs> That there's something there. What what is the matter? What is, you know? Um, and she didn't want to. She liked it, but it, for her, she envisaged something else. Mm-hmm. But again, I think had, um, because she hadn't felt like she could tell me because I'm the artist, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, what it was different, but it was something that was simple. I said, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start it again. It's fine. And she was kind of. I think she felt mortified. Like, no, no, I don't want you to start the page. But it's a case of going. I don't mind. This is my job. So yeah. actually. That, that's fine you can have that one anyway if you wanted to but the colors if you if you imagine them in a different way mm-hmm. that's absolutely fine because I want it to be it's your vision it's your book I'm kind of just helping to kind of put the jigsaw together mm-hmm. and the end result then was something that she absolutely loved
2: mm-hmm.
1: so she, yeah. she did say oh, that, but I'm sure that'll be absolutely fine it's just me being picky and I thought well it it doesn't it has to be perfect for you
2: yeah. I get that I
1: yeah, so it's nice. important as well for the author to say, if they do have this idea, and it could be so small,
2: mm-hmm. like, I know this
1: sounds really random, but can you make the trees autumn colours instead of summer colours? You know, it won't necessarily make a difference to the look to anybody else reading it, but if it's important to the author, then just be really transparent with everything that you fancy, because the artist will never mind, ever. If adding it.
0: a sleeve, could you add a sleeve? And you were like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. It's a good point to lead on, perhaps, to what information is good for a writer to provide? Because I think I sent you the uh, manuscript of Milk and Cookies with notes about, oh, yeah. this character is perhaps this age. Like if I had in my head, even, they yeah. look like this, they wear this, they, you know, or on this page, I'd really like it to include this specific thing. Um, but, but from your side of things, how what information do you like to have?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I work with authors that are um, really specific as to exactly what they want, which is fantastic. Uh, sometimes the point where you kind of feel like you need to kind of give them a little shake and say, "Just trust me. I know what I'm doing. It's okay. <laughs> no, I, I can do it. I've got this. I've got this." Um, I work with authors that have kind of gone, "Yeah, whatever you feel like," and have given me complete brain over it. And like, and it's that's terrifying because you think, "Well, I guess this is then right." So. Um, as an illustrator, we, it's great to have, obviously, we need to read the story, but if you can, um, as as an author, if you can put the the page breaks where you want an image to start off with, so we kind of know in our heads how it's going to be structured, because a lot of the time, if I know there's going to be writing in the top right-hand corner, then I know then to make the image kind of uh, give it space,
2: mm-hmm. because there's
1: nothing worse than having to kind of almost like erase from your perspective, or in a digital kind of manner, to take chunks out of it, so that you can then add the writing, um, and of course that then changes the artwork. So yeah, the more
0: from... that needs permission, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think um, from a change in the artwork, other than what happens in the normal printing process, I think is how they, um, how it's kind of said, if, you, if you're if you taking chunks out there, it could then change the, the overall look of the page. Mm-hmm. And the artist might be mortified because it suddenly then doesn't, it doesn't balance or it doesn't work or, or make sense. So give them as much information as you can from the perspective of where, you're planning roughly to put the right in, but if you have an idea in your head, um, like you did with the characters, um, I have this idea. She's going to be this old. Um, she's going to wear this colour, uh, preferably. Um, they live in um, a house. They have even even silly things like they love animals. They live on a farm. You might not ever have the outside of that farm shown. But the illustrator can then in the head kind of think, right, well, I'm just going to put like a little horseshoe over the door or I'm going to put this and this. And it's suggestive of where they live. And those little tiny things I guess are the subconscious bits that we absorb. And so the reader and the audience is going to get a much bigger idea. And I've always kind of said that give me as much information as you possibly can. It doesn't make a difference how irrelevant you think it is. Mm-hmm. So it could, it could be that she um, I, I don't know, um, like to jump up and down on a bed a lot. So, of course, then the bed might be messy
2: mm-hmm. in the
1: image, even in, in the background, you know, because we are striving as illustrators to create your, to basically pull out what's in your head and mm-hmm. put it down on paper. So it'll have our style, yeah. but your vision. And that's the yeah. kind of, you,
2: know, you want to meld it kind of together. you know. I
0: love that on Milk and Cookies, you actually took um, sketches that my daughter had drawn which she had done of sketches I had done um, <laughs> <laughs> and little elements of that character that I'd sort of come up with, but then she'd become really fixated. I wasn't that bothered about this character anymore, but she was like, no, this is how they have to look. Um, and Milk and Cookies has also got little touches, like um, the toy that Tilly is holding is actually my daughter's toy, that, that like, her favourite little bedtime toy. And you wrote the titles of my books on the bookcase and... There's just like cute little touches and little personal things that, um, yeah, are really lovely. And it was only possible through communication. Um, Mm. But yeah, I think I sent you, what was weird that we should perhaps mention is I held back on sharing anything that I had drawn because I tried to illustrate this book myself and realised that I shouldn't. And (laughs) um, so I'd sent you perhaps some bits from Pinterest um, and some of the things that my daughter had drawn and that kind of thing um and then when you sent me I think it was the sketches I then mm. sent you the it, the things I had drawn and they were practically the same and it was so weird yeah. but it goes to yeah. show that I had obviously managed to communicate what was in my head but you'd managed to figure that out which was remarkable yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah and I think that is because they were the, the giraffes and then the house I think was really similar wasn't yeah. it the um kind of the cottage with the door um <laughs> But I think that a lot of that comes from um, it's not a case of necessarily being really intuitive but it's a case of connecting with the author. So if you've got a really a really good connection and I think you have that you'll get a feel for somebody even through the emails. I mean the start of the process will always be a little bit more formal um, and that will kind of drop away then as time progresses, hopefully mm-hmm. because they become a lot more friendly and that way then you can, um, you can connect better, and I think the it's the little tiny bits like um, she loves this, and she does that, and this is her her family group, and um, all the different things we would have we would have talked about gives the illustrator this feeling, mm-hmm. and it's a really strange one. It is just literally a feeling, and I guess that then well, even we might not add a lot of the things that you've been sort of the outside things you've been saying. In our heads, we know exactly what it is, what the scene looks like. The, the wider picture, I suppose. And so of course, when we're then creating um, what it is that you've asked for, I guess it just translates. So it's mm-hmm. the more you can give. And I always kind of say, even if you think it's relevant, I don't care how irrelevant you think it is, just write it down, bombard me with lists and lists and lists of stuff. It doesn't matter, you know, that they, they don't tend to watch TV a lot, you know, or some, something like this, which may just be a feel of what you have for the characters in your head and is, mm-hmm. um, is never mentioned in the story. But for me then I can then maybe think, okay, so there'll be a big bookshelf there'll be th- little things like this and and yep. then it kind of that then becomes your idea mm-hmm. in my style
0: mm-hmm. in the book yeah it's amazing and it's it's nerve-wracking as the writer mm-hmm. to get to see the final pieces and that it's the fear of like oh god what if i hate them or what if there's some you know it's just Uh, And I'm quite an anxious person anyway. I mean, you might remember that when you sent the artwork to me, I had a whole thing on Instagram where I couldn't open the box and all this because I didn't want (laughs) to... Even though I'd seen the sketches, you'd sent me all sorts of things throughout the whole process. So I knew what I was getting, but there was just the fear. Um, but, uh, But yeah, at the same time, it's also thrilling to see the the words that you'd written come to life. And that's one of the wonderful things about children's books as opposed to adults books. It's um, that sort of visual side of things is lovely. Um, and we mm. can't say too much, but we're going to work on a new project together soon. So we've yeah, lived, just started fun. talking to each other about a coastal project. So I think
2: it's
1: right up our streets, isn't it, both of us, something we're really passionate about. So
0: yeah um, i love that when i messaged you again it's that communication thing that instead of maybe like a professional not say you were unprofessional but like a professional like oh yes it's very formal you were like i love it yes and th- and ideas and so yeah and that's what makes me think yeah you're the right person okay great
1: <laughs> well i think that is the thing because i think i said to you we were chatting on um you know we send in kind of messages back and forth and it's a case of um, the um some of the kind of the formal stuff that we needed to kind of clean it up. It's like, right, I'll send you on an email, so mm-hmm. ignore the way i'm saying because it's yeah. going to sound like, oh, hi Emma, I um, hope you're having a lovely day. You know, it's the normal kind of things because that's all for the books that we all keep. But in between, you know, we've got that kind of lovely kind of friendship, and we can work then in, in a book, and I think that's really important as well. And sometimes you will, you know, you're going to have times where you're going to click with the author or the illustrator, and then there's going to be times where you're not because you may be completely different. But as long as you do have that understanding and you're comfortable enough, yeah. I think it's and especially it's really important that um if you kind of hold back and say you've seen something, something's progress and you think oh, I don't I don't like that. I'm not sure. I'll just be quiet. I, I w I won't say anything. And then you're worried by the time the end comes, the illustrator might might be there saying, Why didn't you tell me at the beginning I could have like, yeah. completely changed for you. So that that you know, that honesty is a massive thing because an illustrator will never, ever, ever mind yeah, you saying, actually, is it okay if I and if they do, then they may not be the one
2: yeah
1: one to be working with, you know, because a lot of the time as long as they're excited and you know, the author's gonna be excited about the work and the, the illustrator's gonna be excited to work on that book or you'd never have come together in the first place, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and this is is going to be really exciting. I can't wait to share more. It really is in its early stages, which is why. We we can't say too much, but it's going to be fun. (laughs) Is there any other sort of, I mean, if if you were a writer, I'd be asking sort of what books have you got in the works, but is there any sort of future projects you can share or want to share?
1: I'm working on a lovely, um, I I finished actually. So that's in the process of being kind of sorted out uh, sorted out that's the official term <laughs> um I, I don't know what the the authory kind of term is right I guess going through the process of um editing and bits and pieces um and that one is about um it's based on a in a on a different kind of on a different planet but it's all it's kind of for I think seven year olds that kind of age bracket and it's got beautiful endangered animals so it's that's where that's where the endangered animals go to survive um and it's a really wonderful kind of world there's a lot of um um there's a a lot of messages in there about kind of um preservation and and the environment um any issues and things that's lovely um later on in the year i think there's gonna be a book about a little bunny rabbit (laughs) so that's really cool so i'm looking forward to that and then from an art perspective i was going to i've just finished the icelandic series and i was going to start on um three new pieces which is inspired by ukraine Okay. But then yesterday, um, the last couple of days, I've started doing something else and I've got sucked into a completely different one. So I'm still going to do that. But yeah, I'm, I'm back in Cornwall mentally. I need I need those kind of beigey sands and Choke seas just for just for a little bit.
2: <laughs> I'm with you.
0: Yeah. Oh, that all sounds really interesting. And I imagine that people will be able to find all of those things as they are coming into reality on your social media.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, everything, every final kind of item is on my website, but to be quite honest, I always find that almost the most boring part of the the process, mm-hmm. you know, the end piece, you know, so if, <laughs> um, Instagram, especially, I, I think I'm, 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 I work most heavily on Instagram because that allows me to kind of, to show the process mm-hmm. more than anything else does. So I'm, um, I'm also useless at saving them. So I've got to, the stories are the one to kind of to check. So everything is, um, everything's on there, what I'm, I'm doing in the day and, how they look and I try and take a lot of photographs of um up close because sometimes when you see a finished piece you can't then see all the texture on it and that's that's kind of criminal sometimes because you think well the whole point of these pieces is they're really they're really deep and they're textured and and I love when people see them it's so funny because they they go up to them and they go oh I love oh no <laughs> <laughs> it's fine I make them so that they're pretty industrial and you know you can you can feel them and touch them. And that's kind of part of the process that there's these soils and earth and different, um, different pigments from all over the country.
2: Yeah. And I want
1: yeah. an immersive kind of experience. I don't stop my kids unless they've got chocolate in the hands. I don't <laughs> stop their kids from coming in and, and, and touching them. They know to be gentle because I think that's how, how they learn as well. You know, and that's, mm-hmm. I don't know why we're, we're told when we start to grow up when they kind of say, don't touch,
2: mm-hmm. don't
1: touch and instead of kind of being, be gentle, Mm -hmm. we're kind of told there's that disconnect so for me it's a case of you know get get involved in them and I I quite like I like kids being able to do that and I'd like to be able to do um an exhibition at some point with um pieces for children like down low on the floor so they can reach them and they can just get their hands involved and yeah, awesome. because that's something
0: <laughs> I love that, and I will obviously um, link your website, and your social media, and everything mm-hmm. below. But yeah, Instagram I think is the place to follow you and see yeah. what <laughs> throughout the day and links to all of your stuff. Um, so yeah, but thank you so much um, for talking to me today. And uh, we'll be announcing something I don't know when, <laughs> but it's exciting. So, but yeah. I'm, I'm
2: struggling. I'm, st- I'm struggling to keep quiet people keep okay. asking me and I go... <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you it's been so lovely take care brilliant you really had a great time see you
0: soon i loved that interview so much uh Rhiannon and i work together really well i just love her style of art but also her approach to creativity do go and check out her work it's beautiful. Check out her Instagram. Of course, I'll put her links in the show notes. Um, Look out for her podcast, The Art of Positivity, which I talked about in episode one. It's undergoing some changes and will be a collab with Rhiannon's husband, the Bearded Mentor. Uh, I'll link him below as well. He's a breathwork instructor and uh, they both do yoga and they're very sort of outdoorsy and they do barefoot walking and all sorts. And the whole vibe is just beautiful. Uh, Also, Rhiannon is soon running some retreats, which look so good. Um, I will put a link to where she announced that on her social media. It's going to be beautiful Welsh scenery and yoga and breathwork and creativity just sounds amazing. So go and check that out. So... What's been inspiring me this month um, besides just these wonderful conversations on this podcast? Right. um, I recently surprised my husband with a trip to Dungeness. Now, he knew we were going somewhere, but he didn't know where. Um, And I chose Dungeness. We, We do this probably every other month we book a date so we both know we're going somewhere but we take it in turns to choose what that trip will be so i chose dungeness because we live quite close to it it's less than an hour's drive away but i had never been and i was quite fascinated about it when you look at work often by local photographers and artists they often create work around Dungeness and the marshes around there. And I wanted to see it for myself. It is a strange environment. It's a very, very long shingle beach. Um, It doesn't get an awful lot of rainfall. So some people call it a desert. Um, It's littered with fishing huts and it's flat and kind of bleak there's also a nuclear power station which has been decommissioned and you get this odd juxtaposition between miles and miles of nature but with little buildings and then this nuclear power plant that's always on the horizon um, and this sort of industrial vibe it's a really really unusual place and i wanted to see it for myself so i booked us a night to visit there and i just felt so inspired by the environment there's lots of art around there lots of the the um shacks lots of them are airbnbs i don't know if shacks the right word as well fishing huts maybe lots of them are now airbnbs lots of them are in use and some are kind of mini art galleries there's also uh derek jarman's um House which has this incredible garden around it, where it backs sort of well. You can still see the power station. It it's not one of the strange things is all of these buildings don't have sort of fences around them. There's this odd kind of flow between everything, and it all just seems this one strange landscape. Anyway, if if that's a place that you would think about uh, visiting, I really recommend it. It is different, but I came away feeling like perhaps I'd base something there, but perhaps not. But that vibe and the sense that I came away feeling a sense of creative flow and energy. um, I just, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, And so did he. (laughs) Um, I think that places can be such a source of creative energy and i really recommend spending some time soaking up a place it might be somewhere natural for me that's often how i feel inspired but it might be that you like industrial settings or perhaps museums but i think going to a place that you get that feeling that emotion of creative flow and ideas start formulating i just think that visiting a place and soaking it in is such a inspiring thing Well that's it for this episode. Thank you to Rhiannon for a great chat. Thank you of course to you guys for listening. (laughs) Next time I'm going to be talking to a guest who works in an industry that I think doesn't spring to mind immediately when you think of creative industries but her business is perhaps a little different and that's why I wanted to talk to her. It's not typically when you think of indie creative businesses it's it's not that immediate thought so i'm looking forward to that interview next week so you can find me on social media and tag me if you're talking about the podcast don't forget to use the hashtag indiness and i will look out for your posts please don't forget to rate this podcast wherever you got it and i'll see you next time